Last week, uh, what an amazing service uh, that we had. Um, I want to thank everyone that, that shared um, in their testimony and gave their stories. Um, as Kyle said, we've had over uh, 5,000 views um, of, of just our service last week. Uh, and that's, that blows me away. And uh, now I have hope, um, is what we were talking about. Because of the resurrection of Christ, now um, I have hope. And, and we had an extra video that I'll post on Facebook this, way, uh, this week um, about someone else just sharing their story um, about the hope that they have uh, in Christ. Um, but what I want to encourage you and challenge you to do over this week and, and next week is I want to hear your stories, uh, your home, your thinking about what's, what's going on and what's next and how you can have impact and how you can have influence in people's lives. Uh, what I want to encourage you to do is take uh, about three minutes, take your phone um, and just shoot us a video of what was my life like before Christ and what's it like after Christ. Um, it doesn't have to be uh, real long. Um, we just want to hear your story because uh, they resonates with so many people um, in the world. Um, your story really of how you came to Christ and, and why you have hope. You know, I want to share a story um, about some of the disciples today that had hope and then they lost hope and then they had hope again. You know, the scripture tells us when, when Jesus was arrested that all the disciples ran away but one, but John. John didn't totally desert uh, the Lord. The Bible records that John went to the place um, and that Jesus had to stand before the high priest. He, he saw Jesus condemned to die. He saw him take a beating. And he was the only disciple present at the crucifixion. And although that might have put him one step ahead of, of the other disciples, the truth is that even though John chose to be near Jesus, he still didn't speak up and identify with him. John chose to be cautious when he could have been courageous. He chose to be silent when he could have taken a stand. And truthfully, that's what many of us have done as well. We've gotten close to Jesus, but we've never really identified with him. Maybe it was something as simple as an unethical practice that was happening at work and you knew about it and you knew you should speak out about it and take a stand about it, but you stayed silent because you didn't want to be labeled. And as a result, that left you with a lot of guilt and shame and you believe that, hey, there's no way Jesus could love you. Or maybe you were with someone in an intimate moment where the mood was right and things began to progress too far physically and you knew you shouldn't do it, but if you said anything, you were afraid the relationship would suffer, so you allowed something to happen that you knew shouldn't have happened and you think, man, God could, could never love me now. You know, at some point, we've all felt like we've let God down. And the fear that, that we've lost his love and approval brings about a great amount of anxiety and stress. Like, and we don't know what to do with the guilt that we feel. You know, in John chapter 20, we read that Jesus rose from the dead. He appeared to his disciples. He told them, hey, I'm sending you out into the world to share this great news that, that I've risen from the dead. But I don't, the disciples, they weren't completely convinced that he was over the whole 
we ran away from you, we denied you, we didn't identify with you, that, that whole abandoning you thing, they weren't convinced that he was over that. And in John chapter 21, we get Jesus appearing to his disciples again. And it says this, that afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, trying to get my daughter to name her child that. But Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got in a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Quick question. What were these guys doing before they met Jesus? Answer, fishing. Because they were fishermen. But everything changed. They met Jesus. They walked with him for three years. They, they saw miracles that they would have never imagined that they could see. But now suddenly they're back to doing what they'd been doing before they met Jesus. Doing the same thing they were doing before they met Jesus. Like those three years hadn't meant anything. And maybe that's where you are right now as well. Maybe you used to read your Bible a lot. Maybe you used to serve and, and be involved in the church. Maybe there was even a time in your life that you stopped doing some things that you knew weren't good for you and started, started doing some things that, that Jesus wanted you to do. But something happened. You made one bad decision that, that led to another bad decision that led to a series of bad decisions. And now you're at a place where you thought you could never return. And you're doing the things that, that you were doing now before you, that you were doing before you met Christ. And you feel like there is no way that he could ever love you again. Because you blew it. You know, it was easy to believe that Jesus loved you when you were doing everything right and, and everything good. But, but, but not anymore. There's no way he could love me right now. You know, maybe things just aren't like they used to be. Like maybe there was a time where you, you, you saw the Lord so clearly. You, you could hear him maybe on a daily basis. But you've gotten to the point where you're not even sure he's speaking to you anymore. And, and if this is you, you're not alone. You know, in the text, we see that these three guys who had spent three years with Jesus... And they knew his voice. They didn't even recognize him when he appeared to him again. And remember, he'd already appeared to him two times before this. But they didn't recognize him when he appeared to them on the shore. And he started to speak to them. And something happened to me that was interesting when the disciples went back to fishing. Verse 3 says, but that night they caught nothing. See, we walk away from Jesus, I think, so many times because we fall for the lie that he's holding out on us and that we can experience more joy by seeking our own satisfaction instead of his presence. But the disciples said, hey, they went back to what they used to do. They went back to that old lifestyle, that old job, that old relationship, that old uh, career, that old uh, addiction, and they caught nothing. Without Jesus, listen, you will catch nothing. The world can only provide us with false hope and temporary satisfaction. 
We are going to come up empty every time because what we're seeking is something long-lasting, something that, that, that has hope, something that's full of joy, and the world just cannot give it to us. The true joy comes through an active, ongoing walk with Jesus Christ. And wherever you are, however long you've been gone, it's not too late for you. It says this, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. Jesus calls them friends. You know, the name he called them before they went back to fishing, he calls them now. You know, friend, it's one thing to call someone a friend when you're sitting at a, at a table and you're having a meal with them. But these guys had walked away from Jesus. They denied Jesus. They even cursed him. And yet he sought them out, not to get back at them, but to bring them back to a right relationship with him. You know, if you're currently not as close to Jesus as you once were, and then my prayer is that you'll understand that he's trying to bring you back into a relationship with him. He sacrificed his life for you. He sought you out. And then Jesus performed the, the, a miracle, uh, one that, that he'd performed before, so they would have all recognized him. And he tells them, hey, you haven't caught anything all night? Try casting your net on the other side of the boat. And they did, and it was so full. same miracle Jesus did back in Mark chapter 5 when he called him for the first time. And that time what happened was the, the nets tore. The, the, the nets sprung open and they, they couldn't even keep all of the fish. But this time in verse 11 it says the, the nets were not even torn. Why? Because Jesus was saying, hey, what happened before? Like that was great. That was good. You had some hope. You had some joy. But, but, but I knew it was fleeting. Like I knew it wasn't going to last because I knew that I had to die. I knew that I had to, to, to suffer the consequences of your sin. But now that I've done that, your life can be full. Your life can have meaning. It can have purpose. You don't have to have that empty spot where everything's falling out and it feels like your life is falling apart. What you can have is fullness and completeness in me. Since it was 153 fish. But Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. And they sat down and they ate with him. They shared a meal with Jesus again. And I wonder if, if they thought about the meal that they just shared with him a few days earlier. Right before they denied him. Right before they cursed him. Right before they all walked away from him. I wonder if they remember this meal. After they had eaten that meal with Jesus on that, the first meal, they would all walk away. They would all abandon him. But this meal was different. This meal was with, with the Savior that they knew now wanted to have a relationship with them. And after they'd finished eating, in verse 15, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? 
And I read that and I think, what, what are the these? Is he talking about all the other disciples that were there? Could have been. Is he talking about the large catch of fish that was there? Could have been. Would have been a lot of money for Peter. Was he talking about the nets and the boat? Material possession that he could have had? Like, I don't know. But he said, do you love me more than these? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. You know, three times Jesus asked Peter that question. And three times Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And on the third time, Peter was heartbroken. Because he then remembered denying Christ three times. And this wasn't Jesus rubbing it in. This wasn't Jesus saying, man, I can't believe that, that you did that. I can't believe that, that you failed. I can't believe that you, you, you walked away when you were the one. You were the one that said you would never leave. So Jesus wasn't condemning him. So often we hear that voice of condemnation in our life. And we mistake it and we think that it's Jesus saying, hey, I can't believe you did that. But Paul would write in Romans chapter 8 that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What this was Jesus doing, Jesus was doing here was saying, Peter, you are completely forgiven. Not only will I forgive you once, but I'll forgive you all three times. And you can go on and do great things. And then Jesus would tell him this. He said, very truly in verse 18, he said, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went, went where you wanted but when you're old, you will stretch out your hand and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. You know, we think of suffering as a bad thing. I wonder how many of us, man, if we knew what Jesus was calling us to, if we would step up and follow you know, Jesus said, hey, Peter, your death is going to glorify God. And then he said, follow me. Watch this. Peter turned, and he saw that disciple whom Jesus loved was following him as well. This was the one who leaned back against Jesus at the supper, and he said, Lord, who's going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he asked, hey, what about him? What, what about that guy? You know, sometimes we, we lose our focus and we're so worried about what everybody else is doing. We're worried about who's doing this or who said that or, or what's the government doing or, or what's the, the coronavirus doing or what are my parents doing or what are my kids doing. And, and listen to how Jesus answered him. Jesus said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? You must follow me. You must, you don't worry about him. I've got a plan for him. I've got, I'm going to take care of him. I'm going to go with him. I'm going to do whatever he But your responsibility, your responsibility is to follow me. To leave these nets again, to leave this junk, to leave this sin, to leave this shame, to leave this guilt, and follow me. My question is, what is God asking you to leave so that you can follow him? Maybe it's a, a, a relationship. 
You're saying, well, what about him? Or what about her? I say, hey, you don't worry about them. You follow me. You do what's right. Well, what if I stand up? Or, or what if I, I act courageously? Or what if I, what if I do this? Hey, hey, you don't worry about that. Your responsibility is to follow me. Peter followed him. He went from a, a coward in the center to just in a, sh- sh- a few short days preaching a message and watching 3,000 people give their life to Christ. God will do amazing things in your life if you'll just follow him. What is it that you need to let go of 